Good Monday morning. Welcome to the Vince Coakley Radio Program. Glad you are back with us. A lot of things going on in this crazy, crazy world of ours. We, of course, will cover it here. Also, any breaking news that develops during the course of this broadcast over the next couple of hours. We will bring that to you as well. Just some of the things we will delve into. A number of praiseworthy items to get into. Some of them dealing with news that is going on regarding anti-Semitism and how one particular school is paying the price. We also have some very important health news very significant health news that we will delve into. Sadly, on another front in the Middle East, the picture is a little more bleak. I'm referring to the ongoing issues between Hamas and Israel. The good news, Israel seems to be continuing to make significant progress in its goal to decimate Hamas. But at the same time, we've got a new threat against hostages, and we've learned that some of those hostages may already be dead. Just some of the things we'll delve into during the course of the broadcast. Also, there's a person who has vehemently disagreed with me on a subject of presidential politics probably for several years. And now has a totally different perspective, and it, and it sounds like is sounding the alarm on 2024. I'm going to share a social media post, which I I read this and I thought this to me is exactly what is going on. If you are concerned about what happens to our country, I hope you will listen for this a little bit later on. Because I think this person is right on the money. That's all I will say about it for now. <laughs> Just a sampling of some of the things we will address during the course of the broadcast today. I want to begin with a huge thank you. On Friday, Friday evening, as you know, this is a very important time of year to get involved and make a difference in the lives of young children who otherwise might have a pretty bleak Christmas. So bring in Hancock's Bikes for Kids. We had a great time on Friday night. It was just cool to see the steady stream of people pulling up to drop off bicycles filling up tractor trailers with these bicycles. It's just absolutely phenomenal. I want to share with you a social media post from our good friend John Hancock. Here is what he posted. The weather was great, and we collected over 750 bikes and thousands of dollars. We'll add more bikes in the days leading to Christmas at the kids' first store at McMullen Creek Market, just to the right of the Walmart store. Thank you, Charlotte. And thank you to all the people at WBT and WBTV. Jamie Ball and Greg Simpson. And many more. 
<laughs> John adds, I think I was on WBTV last week more than John Carter. I'm humbled by this being our 30th year and especially blessed to still be a part of this, even after being retired, sort of, for four years. By the way, now we're up to 800. I have an adjusted figure since these numbers were put in my notes. 800 bikes. John goes on, by the way, that green Grinch you see in the pictures is my wife, Susan. If you were to see a social media post, those who know her know she's far from being a Grinch. She was warm, and I loved having her as part of the event. And I thought this was really cool at the very end of John's note. Special thanks to my parents for giving me a foundation that cares about other people. This is an absolutely awesome social media post. And I just share with John the appreciation he's expressed for your generosity. And I remind you, there is still time. If you didn't make it out on Friday, it's not over yet. As he mentioned, we still have the Kids First Store, McMullen Creek Market. If you would like to get a bicycle, drop it off. Still plenty of time as we lead into Christmas. Can you believe Christmas is two weeks from today? It's just on me. I have not bought a single gift. <laughs> this is a note to self. Better get in gear. <laughs> it is that time of year, no doubt about that. I have a lot of other things going on that I may comment on sometime. But lest I be distracted, again, thank you, everybody who has contributed thus far. And if you have not, you have the opportunity to do so. And uh, we would absolutely appreciate your contribution. Not nearly as much as some needy children will appreciate those gifts coming up for this Christmas. Still to come in the broadcast, a number of praiseworthy items to touch on. An illness that doesn't get a lot of attention. Well, there's attention on it now. The FDA approving a cure for something that has affected a lot of black folks for a long, long time. We'll tell you about the new technology that's involved in this. And one school paying the price over anti-Semitism. A major shakeup at this school. This Ivy League school will tell you what's happened there. And we'll have an update on what's going on in the ongoing battle between Israel and Hamas. That much more as we continue our Monday edition of the Vince Coakley radio program. And we are back on the Vince Coakley Radio Program. 20 minutes after the hour of 10 o'clock. I am uh, very much intrigued to see what is going on with the ongoing anti-Semitism 
that is on display on college campuses around the country. It's really disheartening, for instance, to see the really naive young people, so many of them who have been manipulated. They have no idea the magnitude of the issues involved. They don't even understand. I mean, those people out there who are marching and quoting from the river to the sea, they don't know. They have no concept whatsoever of the history. And some of these really ugly incidents that have happened, just absolutely mind-boggling. That people can participate in these things, but also approve of them. And then, on top of that, to have university officials kind of stand by and by their refusal to get involved, to take definitive measures, to take a stand and protect people on these campuses, either from harm or from some type of harassment, They've communicated a message, and their testimony last week did not help at all. They have really screwed themselves. So I have no sympathy whatsoever for these unrepentant bureaucrats. This is really what they are. They're bureaucrats. So we have a couple of stories that are geared toward revealing how these universities are paying a price, at least one in particular. Before I get there, I want to talk about a significant health development. NBC reports the FDA has approved a cure for sickle cell disease. This is the first treatment to use the gene editing tool CRISPR. You've probably heard about this before. It's a groundbreaking approval, eagerly anticipated by patients and doctors alike. Now, don't be too alarmed when you hear the price for this. It it is very, very pricey. I'm just glad there's a cure because ultimately once this is processed, if it indeed works, the price will come down. I'm just glad to see that there is actually something in the works to make a difference here. The treatment is priced at $2.2 million per person. That's a lot. The FDA has approved this on Friday, a powerful treatment for sickle cell disease, a devastating illness that affects more than 100,000 Americans, the majority of whom are black. This therapy is called Kasgevi from Vertex Pharmaceuticals and CRISPR Therapeutics, the first medicine to be approved in the U.S. that uses the gene editing tool CRISPR, which won its inventors the Nobel Prize in Chemistry back in 2020. Dr. Alexis Thompson, chief of the Division of Hematology at Children's Hospital Philadelphia, who's previously consulted for Vertex, 
says this is a pivotal moment in the field. It's been really remarkable how quickly we went from the actual discovery of CRISPR, the awarding of a Nobel Prize, and now actually seeing it being approved as a product. This is the first of two potential breakthroughs for the inherited blood disorder. The FDA also approved a second treatment for sickle cell called LifeGenia, a gene therapy from drug maker Bluebird Bio. And both treatments work by genetically modifying a patient's own stem cells. Until now, the only cure for sickle cell was a bone marrow transplant from, planned from a donor, and that carries the risk of rejection by the immune system. And that's in addition to the difficult process of finding a matching donor. Kaskevi, approved for people 12 and older, removes the need for a donor. Using CRISPR, it edits the DNA found in a patient's stem cells to remove the gene that causes the disease. The patient is ultimately their own donor. This is pretty extraordinary. Dr. Asma Ferjala says this is a game changer. This doctor is a pediatric hematologist and bone marrow transplant physician at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, to really reimagine and rediscuss sickle cell disease as a curable disease and not as this painful and debilitating chronic disease is hope enough with this news. I mentioned the cost. It is expensive. $2.2 million per patient. The pricing strategy may place it out of reach for many families. What's more, the price doesn't include the cost of care associated with the treatment, like a stay in the hospital or chemotherapy. Dr. Robbie Hanna, a pediatric hematologist, oncologist at the Cleveland Clinic, who's previously served on the advisory board for Vertex, says we really have to make sure that it's accessible. I can guarantee you most of those 100,000 people do not have $2.2 million. They don't. This could be an equalizer for people with sickle cell because many patients cannot pursue career options because of the illness. It's something families have been aware of in the early stage of research. They've been patiently waiting for years. It's been eagerly awaited by patients and families, but also by providers and physicians. I am very encouraged by this. I have a dear friend who lost someone to sickle cell many years ago. In fact, I'll be curious to get my friend's reaction to this. I was just thinking during the course of reading this the other day, I need to share this with her because I'm sure this will be a great encouragement to her, but also the family members of the young man they lost. I believe this young man was only in his 20s. So this is a hopeful development, and may there be many more as a result of this new technology developed. Still to come. We will talk about what's happening at one Ivy League school, the fallout from the failure to address anti-Semitism. We will talk about that. 
and the unfortunate news about what's going on in the war between Israel and Gaza, Israel, in Gaza against Hamas. The new information we have and the new threats that we are hearing from Hamas. We'll talk about that much more on the Vince Coakley radio program. Still to come on the Vince Coakley radio program, an amazing admission out of this administration. Just more evidence that these folks, I'm just going to say it, they are criminals. The people running our government are criminals. And every single one of the people in the chain of command involved in our immigration system, I'm not talking about the border workers, because those are the people who are trying to do the job on the front lines. I'm talking about the people who enforce policy in the White House, cabinet positions. These folks should be removed from office. They are criminals. Dereliction of duty. I'll tell you why I'm saying this as we continue the broadcast. But first, a price being paid for anti-Semitism. We have a couple of positive stories on this front. One relates to money. The other relates to the loss of employment. Let's talk about the University of Pennsylvania. Scott Bach, the chair of the Penn Board of Trustees, announced Liz McGill has voluntarily stepped down as university president. Bach has also resigned both facing intense criticism from the White House, lawmakers, and alumni for appearing to dodge a question at a congressional hearing on campus anti-Semitism. The message that was put out by the chair of the board, I write to share that President Liz McGill has voluntarily tendered her resignation as president of the University of Pennsylvania. She'll remain a tenured faculty member at Penn Carey Law. Shortly after Bach announced McGill's resignation, he announced he would also step down from his, his position, according to a statement published by the Daily Pennsylvania Student Newspaper. I concluded that for me, now was the right time to depart. I'll bet. In a five-hour House hearing on Tuesday, McGill and her counterparts at Harvard and the Massachusetts Institute of Technology were grilled over how their institutions responded to the rise in anti-Jewish hate since October 7th. In their testimonies, the three university leaders each condemned anti-Semitism. Isn't that wonderful? The outcry centered on a contentious exchange with Representative Elise Stefanik who asked whether calling for the genocide of Jews would violate each school's code of conduct. Instead of directly replying to Stefanik's yes or no question, McGill said that decision would be context-dependent. What the hell kind of garbage is that? This is why the university system, as we know it, is dying. Because of garbage like this. And you know, you have to understand, this is not something in isolation. This is what these universities are turning out. 
People who cannot answer simple questions, probably questions like, what is a woman? She goes on in her comments last week, if the speech turns into conduct, it can be harassment. Really? Fox said in his statement, McGill made a very unfortunate misstep in her testimony, but praised her leadership skills and insisted she was not the slightest bit anti-Semitic. He went on to say that McGill was worn down by months of relentless external attacks and provided a legalistic answer to a moral question, making for a dreadful 30-second soundbite. Harvard President Claudine Gay responded to Stavonic's line of questioning in similar terms. She testified when speech crosses into conduct, that violates our policies. You know, I was just thinking this over the weekend, and, and I'm just saying this hypothetically. Okay, we're talking about the genocide of Jews. So this is a question mark for these muckety-muck school executives I'm wondering if somebody walked through the campus and advocated the genocide of gay people, what do you think these jackasses would say? Oh, they would have tremendous clarity about that, wouldn't they? Because these university presidents are profoundly political animals. That's what they are. They're politicians. And they're going to jump on the bandwagon of the day. Now, for the record, I want to make very clear. If they've got any school code of conduct calling for the killing of anybody. Ought to be a clear violation. Let me repeat that again. Calling for the killing of anybody. Ought to be a clear violation. I'm not talking about the law like capital punishment for criminals or for that matter the prosecution of terrorists but if we're talking about just killing people how is that not I mean think of all the things that you can do that I mean even misgendering someone violates some of these school policies and codes of conduct but they can't have clarity about calling for genocide for anybody this is insane MIT president Sally Kornbluth said she'd not heard of students on her campus calling for the genocide of Jews, adding such rhetoric would be investigated as harassment if pervasive and severe. If? In a two-minute video message posted Wednesday night on the social media platform X, McGill elaborated on her answer and condemned cause for the genocide of Jewish people in more unequivocal terms. See, if you've got to do a do-over for something like this, it tells me that you've lost your moral compass and you have no business being a university president. I wouldn't trust you as the janitor of one of these schools. Go get a real job, doing some real work. Love to get your thoughts on this as we continue the broadcast of the Vince Coakley radio program. 
So you've got this leadership turmoil at the University of Pennsylvania, and you've also got this. Axios reporting, Penn loses $100 million donation over anti-Semitism hearing. A University of Pennsylvania donor is withdrawing a gift worth around $100 million to protest the school's response to anti-Semitism on campus. The final straw for Ross Stevens, founder and CEO of Stone Ridge Asset Management, was Tuesday's widely criticized congressional testimony by Penn President Liz McGill. The gift from Stevens, a Penn undergrad alum, was given in December 2017 to help establish a Center for Innovation in Finance. It was in the form of limited partnership units in Stone Ridge, with current value estimated at around $100 million. Stevens, in a letter from his lawyers to Penn, alleges the school has violated the terms of the limited partnership agreement, including its anti-discrimination and anti-harassment policies. Referring to Penn, Stevens' attorneys write, its permissive approach to hate speech calling for violence against Jews and laissez-faire attitude toward harassment and discrimination against Jewish students would violate any policies or rules that prohibit harassment and discrimination based on religion, including those of Stone Ridge. This is not the first time Stevens has used his pocketbook to express disagreement with Penn policies. Earlier, he redirected a different $100 million gift from the Penn's business school to the University of Chicago. According to the New York Times, Stevens changed his mind because he thought the school was prioritizing DEI over enhancing the business school's academic excellence. The letter concludes by offering to discuss the matter further. But a source close to the situation tells Axios the current intention is to withdraw the gift. I hope this happens over and over and over. See, this is one of the things that happens in a society that moves away from moral clarity. I would say to you, I would I would be willing to risk. Now I want to be careful how I say this because I want to pick a a group of people. I'm going to guess you could probably get a group of 10th graders before they've been thoroughly brainwashed by this educational system. You can probably find uh, I'm just going to say a bunch of 10-year-olds and ask them this same question. And they could have answered this with more clarity. Unequivocally. See, the problem is we learn tolerance for evil. It's a learned behavior. I really think a lot of people, just by nature, we know it's wrong to advocate killing people. We know that's wrong. But we can come up with all kinds of shifty political answers to fit in with particular groups so we can be accepted by the right people. That's how this works. 
We have one more praiseworthy item, and coming up in the next hour, we're going to delve into a startling admission out of this administration about the number of migrants that are being let go in the country. And we'll have an update on what's going on in the battle between Hamas and Israel with unfortunate news about hostages. But first, I was intrigued by this story. I should also tell you, coming up in the next hour, we have what I believe is a very revelatory post, social media post, from someone who used to work for the station. And I really believe this person's right in the money with a scenario that's shaping up for 2024. I think this is a warning that I really want to get out there. But first, Fox reports on thousands of blue state residents flocking to Idaho. What? Taking conservative politics with them. Of all the places on the <laughs> on the US map to go. Idaho? One Idaho real estate ad says, Escape liberal hell. <laughs> Thousands of conservative-leaning Washington residents, as in Washington State, fled the deep blue state for neighboring Idaho. Data published by the Idaho Secretary of State's office shows out of the nearly 119,000 people who recently moved to the state, 65% registered as Republicans, compared to just 12% registering as Democrats. The data, reviewed by Fox News Digital, show out of the roughly 20,000 Americans who moved from Washington State to Idaho, 62% Republicans, 12% Democrats, 24% unaffiliated, 2% other. The percentage of registered Republicans originally from Washington, who recently moved to Idaho, is actually higher than the state's overall percentage of registered Republicans, which is about 58%. The Republican Idaho Secretary of State Phil McGrain said, we were not surprised to find Republicans are moving to Idaho. However, we were surprised to see just how overwhelming it was. Of those moving to Idaho, the majority of voters from 48 out of the 49 other states are Republican. Isn't this intriguing? That said, it shouldn't be a shock. Conservatives would be attracted to Idaho's robust economy, business-friendly environment, and strong conservative values. Idaho has become a destination for those who embrace the values and quality of life that define our great state. This data comes as a handful of expensive and liberal states like California, New York, since the pandemic seen an exodus of residents who moved to states like Florida and Texas. Speculations and concern have mounted state migration changes could lead to blue state voters bringing their politics to red states. The Idaho data, however, shows right-leaning voters from blue states are fleeing to a state with similar politics. Idaho Republicans control the state's office of the governor, secretary of state, and both chambers of the state legislature. Sounds like a great place to be. Theoretically. Our number two is straight ahead. Stay with us. Welcome back. Our number two, the Vince Coakley radio program still to come on this broadcast. We will talk about what's going on in Gaza. The showdown between Hamas and Israel with some unfortunate news and danger 
to hostages. But also a very important story I'm going to share with you. In fact, we're going to have, ideally, this person as a guest on tomorrow's program. Someone who has, I think, brilliant analysis on the 2024 presidential contest. I hope there are ears ready to hear this. It is on the money. I want to begin here. The criminal behavior by the Biden administration as it relates to immigration. Fox News is reporting that 5,000, get it, 5,000 illegal immigrants are released every day into the U.S. This was a private admission to lawmakers from this administration. Total illegal immigrants released could top $1.8 million for the year if we stay on pace. This is crazy. The Biden administration has told lawmakers an average of 5,000 illegal immigrants are currently being released into the U.S. each day at the border. While there were over 670,000 illegal immigrants who evaded Border Patrol last fiscal year. In a briefing on Friday to the Arizona Congressional Delegation, House and Senate Judiciary Committees, and the House and Senate Homeland Security Committees. Fox is told that Department of Homeland Security officials told lawmakers there were about 670,000 known gotaways at the border last fiscal year. DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas had previously acknowledged the number was over 600,000. Lawmakers have also been told there's an average of 5,000 illegal immigrants released each day to non-governmental organizations who provide migrants with assistance and will sometimes help them get to their destinations. If that pace holds throughout the entire year, that would be over 1.8 million illegal entrants in that time frame. It's time for these folks to be held accountable for this behavior. This is reprehensible. Profoundly reprehensible. Meanwhile, the ports of entry, an average of 1,600 migrants are being processed and released via the use of humanitarian parole each day under the CBP-1 app. That authority is set by Congress to be used on a case-by-case basis for urgent humanitarian reasons or significant public benefit. Republicans have sought to limit the use of this authority, claiming the administration is abusing it, something officials have denied repeatedly. This is the other disturbing thing. Border Patrol agents have encountered migrants from over 150 countries. Why do you think they're entering down there rather than coming in legitimately? The word is out, folks. You want to come into the United States? Don't bother going through all the bureaucracy. Don't bother coming in the front door. Just go to the Mexican border and walk across. And I don't blame them. I don't. I might be tempted to do the same thing, too. The blame lies with those who are in power and do not care at all. The daily record for encounters broken this week.
When over 12,000 migrants hit the border in a single day, after a record-setting 2.4 million encounters in fiscal year 23, and an all-time monthly high of over 260,000 in September. Officials said there have been over 440,000 encounters since October 1st, when the new fiscal year began. The Tucson sector, which has been at the center of the most recent migrant surge, has seen hundreds of mostly male, adult migrants queued up against the border fence. Agents outmanned 200 to 1 in the field. Why is this? The Biden administration has been calling for additional border funding from Congress. $14 billion request, which includes funding for migrant care, costs related to expedited removal, and help for cities. But this has been blocked so far as Republicans seek limits on releases into the U.S. by increasing asylum screening standards and reducing parole use proposals. Some Democrats have balked. Well, of course they have. This is pretty lame. But you should know the people in charge of this country do not care. They don't. Whether it's the criminal threat that you face or the financial threat. They don't care. They don't. Let's touch on what's going what's going on with Israel and Hamas. Hamas is now warning the hostages are doomed unless demands are met. They're stepping up threats now. We're told now that there are 20 dead hostages in Hamas custody. This has to be absolutely horrible for the families of these hostages. Who are they? Which ones are alive and which ones are dead? Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has called on Hamas fighters to give up, saying it's the beginning of the end for Hamas. We can certainly hope so. Hamas warning Sunday no hostages would leave Gaza alive unless its demands for prisoner releases are met. While the World Health Organization said the territory's health system was collapsing after more than two months of war. Hamas triggered this conflict. Now Israel has responded with a relentless military offensive that's reduced much of Gaza to rubble and allegedly killed 17,997 people, mostly women and children according to the Hamas-run health ministry, if you can believe them. Aid groups warned the territories on the brink of being overwhelmed by disease and starvation. The head of the United Nations decrying a divided and paralyzed Security Council for failing to agree on a ceasefire. WHO saying Gaza's health system is on its knees and collapsing. 14 of 36 hospitals functioning at any capacity. The World Health Organization's executive board adopting a resolution calling for immediate, unimpeded aid deliveries. 1.9 million of Gaza's 2.4 million people have been displaced, roughly half of them children, many forced south and running out of safe places to go. This is just a horrible situation all the way around, and I want it to be clear, I do not celebrate this. This is sad all the way around all the way around.
Still to come on the broadcast, I'm going to share with you a riveting social media post. It may cause some of you to manifest. But I think the person who posted this is right on the money. And Lord willing, we will have this person as a guest on tomorrow's program to explain what has been posted here. Because this is a situation where the stakes are really high. We cannot screw this up. Cannot screw it up. And we are back on the Vince Coakley radio program, 21 minutes after the hour of 11 o'clock. What do you think about this ongoing situation with Israel? Do you think they will ultimately succeed in wiping out Hamas? Or do you think this is a pipe dream? And the fate of the hostages, do you hold out any hope that they will actually come back? at least those who are still alive, that this will be resolved peacefully and safely for them. That is the question I posed this morning. I want to give you a little bit of a history before I share with you, I think, one of the most social, important social media posts this weekend. This is vitally important. As you know, I voted for Donald Trump in 2016 and in 2020. I think it's important to start off saying this. I have never been in a category called a never-Trumper, and I think it's a stupid phrase. It's the kind of phrase that is created by people who have developed a cult. I want to be straightforward about that designed to intimidate people, designed to marginalize people who just simply disagree. Now, along the way, I've been, I think, among talk radio hosts in the minority. Because even as I voted for Donald Trump, I was never a person who drank the Kool-Aid. I always had reservations about this man because of his character. And the situation has not gotten better, it's gotten worse. And for those people, if you are one of those people, well, nobody's perfect if that doesn't fly with me. This is about an aspiration to virtue. Now, I don't know what you're doing in your life. What you do is your business. I'm very much libertarian. But the people I choose to walk with in my life are people who are aspiring to become better people. And those are the people I make choices to interact with from day to day and let into what I would call an inner circle. People who don't care and just want to do whatever they want. And especially those who would attempt to blackball me or somehow shame me into approving of and supporting their behavior or whatever I have no time for. And as I get older, I have less patience for and I'm not going to tolerate it. 
If you're not interested in growing as a person, that's your business. But if you're a political leader and you're trying to get me to support you and you've drawn a line in the sand by your behavior, by doubling down on stupid, doubling down on ugly, um, no thank you. This republic cannot afford that. Our country, we're at a place we, we've always required. Remember this constitution? Remember this line? This constitution is only for a moral and virtuous people. And that's got to start at the top. One of the people who is very vociferously defensive of Donald Trump and has been from day one, and I would say uh, overly so, um, we've had some fun debates. I love this person to death as a talk show host and a friend. But I've disagreed with this person. But now this person, back in the summer, made the decision, came to the recognition, this is a dangerous situation. Because ultimately, this is not going to have a good ending for Republicans. Over the weekend, this person posted this on social media. I'm just going to read the first paragraph, and I'm going to save the rest for after the break, because I want to get your thoughts. And I'll tell you at the end who wrote this, because this is one of the most person I think I can't think of anybody who's defended Donald Trump more than this person. This person starts off saying the Democrats are running a psyop on GOP voters and we're walking right into their trap. Bookmark this handy guide to watch it go down in 2024. Now, consolidate GOP voter support behind Trump by convincing Republicans with manipulated polls that Trump can easily beat Biden. Ignore or don't promote the internals of these polls that show if Trump is convicted, Biden, as unpopular as he is, beats Trump by 6 to 10 points, cheating or no cheating. December to January. The mainstream media runs a relentless media campaign to ensure Nikki Haley, a uniparty member who is essentially a Democrat, <laughs> wow, that's brutal, is maneuvered into second position in the GOP primary as an insurance policy. Backer with tens of millions of Democrat dollars to ensure this happens. March, start the first major Trump trial after Super Tuesday by which time enough GOP primary nominating contests will have been held to submit Trump as the nominee. Now, we are trapped. I'm going to share the rest of this because I believe this post by this former Trump supporter is spot on. I'd at least like you to consider intelligently what this person has written. At the end, I will tell you who it is, and Lord willing, we will have her on the show very soon to defend what she's posted and why she has gone from just rabidly defending Donald Trump to now warning that supporting him is really a form of political suicide.
We'll talk about this and much more as we continue our Monday broadcast. So before the break, I started sharing a social media post from someone who is a diehard Donald Trump supporter up until a few months ago. And to basically bring you up to speed, especially if you've just joined us, I've shared how this person believes there's a PSYOP that's going on targeted at GOP voters. And that is for... The purpose of consolidating support behind Donald Trump, knowing full well that because of a variety of these legal issues, this is going to be an ugly picture next year. The last thing we shared was what happens in March. The start of the first major Trump trial after Super Tuesday. By which time enough GOP primary nominating contests will have been held to cement Trump as the nominee. Now we are trapped. May to June, now lower the bloom. The <laughs> now lower the boom. Convict Trump for the first time ahead of the GOP nominating convention in July, knowing a vicious floor fight is going to break out. The internals of Democrat polls have been telling us for months the GOP will fracture if Trump is convicted with 50% wanting Trump to stay on the ballot despite conviction, 50% wanting to dump him. The GOP and their votes are torn right down the middle, with enraged Trump supporters now vowing not to support any replacement, even if Trump is in prison on Election Day, and the other half of the party's voters panicking about not replacing Trump on the ballot and desperately seeking another alternative. Now it's clear why the Democrats spent millions on Nikki Haley. Millions that weren't targeted at Trump. The Democrats preferred choice for nominee, but eliminating DeSantis and putting Haley in the number two position. I, I am tracking completely. I think they are determined to get DeSantis out of the way. August, now for the final coup d'etat. Democrats replace Biden as their nominee with a much more popular Democrat. Have I not warned you about this on this broadcast? Do not assume he's going to be on the ballot. This person unveiled to great mainstream media acclaim at their August convention. Quite likely, a second Trump conviction will be in hand at this point, delivered by overwhelmingly liberal blue state juries who don't care about the facts in his cases. Any presidential campaign Trump had is dead, as Trump is either in prison or imprisoned at Mar-a-Lago with liberal judges controlling his every word and post as he's now a convict, subject to their whims. As is already happening now, most of Trump's campaign funds go for legal bills. There is essentially no campaign. Trump crashes in the polls as the GOP tears itself apart. In polling, the Democrat candidate surges. And polls begin to show the House and Senate tilting to the Democrats by big margins. Or 
the GOP succeeded in removing Trump as the nominee, enraging half the party's voters who now refuse to coalesce around the new GOP nominee. Some even refused to vote at all or vowed to write Trump's name in instead. The GOP is fractured. Either way, no longer voting as a block. Independents bolt toward Democrats. November. Massive, maybe even historic Democrat landslide finally gives the Dems the numbers they need in the House and the Senate to pack the Supreme Court, annihilate the Bill of Rights, most especially the First Amendment and the Second Amendment, pass amnesty for 60 million illegals, permanently flipping the country blue, and creating a one-party system in the USA like they have in China. The Democrats then force the laws they've passed in California on the rest of the country. They bring in digital ID and dollars, essentially implementing a Chinese social credit system here, and calm the ensuing rebellion without firing a single shot. I ask you, does this sound crazy? I think this is completely plausible. And I'm concerned that we are going down that path right now. We are. And I think the person at the center of this is so preoccupied with himself, he doesn't care. It's become president or bust. And bust for the country, for that matter. By the way, the author of this particular post, the person who was rabidly in support of Donald Trump, Tara Servatius. I'd love to get your thoughts. If you think she's totally off, and come with your A-game. I don't want to hear cult language. He's the only one, only one, only one, only one. It's exactly what the Democrat Party wants you to believe. And really, this is not even a Democrat thing. This has never made common sense. On any level. This obsession has always been unhealthy from day one. And honestly, I feared this day for our country. Because I knew that this, whatever victories were accomplished in a first administration, the monster that has now been created with this guy, who has the power basically to destroy. The damage can be catastrophic. Final stretch of the Vince Coakley radio program on this Monday. How was your weekend? I am very thankful that my son is okay. I was quite um, disturbed to see the tornado damage in Tennessee. I sent a text to my son, and he responded by saying, these tornadoes, these severe storms were pretty much all around them and fortunately missed them. But there were six fatalities in the area not far from where my son lives. 
and the devastation there is just absolutely amazing. This is December, folks. <laughs> Approaching the middle of December. Tornado in Middle Tennessee. Speaking of disasters, I watched a movie with a friend this weekend that I you might be interested in watching. It's called Leave the World Behind. I was quite surprised to see the executive producer or executive producers for this movie were Michelle and Barack Obama. When I saw that, I thought, oh, my goodness. This was kind of a, I, I don't know what kind of movie you would call it, you know, kind of science fiction sort of dystopian movie. The ending of it, I, I, I'm just got to tell you, it's, I hated the ending. The storyline was actually pretty clever and very thought-provoking about what could happen in the future. That's all I'll give to you because I'm being careful here not to give you spoilers. But Leave the World Behind is the name of the movie. It's on Netflix if you are interested in checking out something interesting. If you um, paid attention around Thanksgiving holiday, you noticed that the traffic around the airport was an absolute disaster. It was horrible. It took people over an hour. A lot of people just gave up and parked their cars somewhere and walked to get to the terminal. I believe it's Queen City News reporting on this. Changes coming to the airport in an effort to alleviate the long traffic backups. Because of what happened around the Thanksgiving holiday, the local passenger traffic exceeded the local traffic from 2022 by 18%. It was quite chaotic. A lot of construction going on that makes this very difficult. So what's going on now? Airport officials said the airport will adjust stoplight times at nearby intersections, rerouting portions of the airport shuttle bus operation to help with roadway congestion and additional staffing along the terminal curb front. Airport officials also assessing the inbound roadway system for potential long-term improvements based on expected future growth. So hopefully it will not be as messy as it was around the Thanksgiving holiday. The Charlotte DOT putting out word they are working with the airport to help move traffic safely and efficiently with signal timing adjustments throughout the holiday season. And they hope this will make a difference. I certainly hope so. Bernie, it is time for a look at the day in history. So we have a total of, what is this, nine items here? How are you doing today, Bernie? I'm good, Vince. I hope you are, man. And not bad. Not bad at all. We begin in 1816. This state joined the Union. It's the second city where I lived. And the... Let's see. Well, they have a football team that uh, I think is supposed to be a horse. Oh, is this Indianapolis? Is this Indiana? You better believe it. All right. Indiana joining the Union, 1816. 1844... The first use of nitrous oxide. What did they use it for? Well, they still use it for the same thing now. 1844 is when they started. It's something when you go to 
a particular medical professional. Is this for like surgeries and stuff like that? Yes, anesthesia. Yeah. Especially tooth extraction. 1936, King Edward VIII abdicated. This is how we got Queen Elizabeth II. 1941, this country that was involved in a couple of wars declared war on the United States. Who was it? 1941. Is this Germany? Germany, indeed. All right. 1969, this is kind of laughable. The Soviets declared nudity to be a sign of Western decadence. Nudity. It's a terrible thing. Mm. 1972, Challenger, Apollo 17 lunar lander, touches down where? Uh, would this be the moon? The moon. All right. Big hint there when you say lunar. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> 2001, Communist China entered the World Trade Organization. And this um, crook who took off with a whole lot of people's money. Unfortunately, he shares your first name. Yeah, Bernie Madoff. A- Bernie Madoff. Yeah. He was arrested uh, on uh, this day in 2008. Well, good. That's one yes. Bernie we don't need around here anymore. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Terrible person. One final thing to have a little fun. Get a load of this. An Ohio woman who threw her freshly made Chipotle burrito bowl in the face of the employee who made it for her is about to learn a lesson in customer service. Rosemary Haynes, she's 39 years old. She was originally sentenced to 100 days in jail November 28th. All right. Her hurling food incident went viral. Parma Municipal Court Judge Timothy Gilligan, what a last name, then suspended 90 of those days and gave Hain an interesting option for the remainder of the 90-day sentence. She could spend 60 fewer days in jail if she spent two months working, guess where, at a fast food restaurant for 20 hours a week. So, Gilligan said... You didn't get your burrito bowl the way you like it. This is how you respond. (laughs) So now she can go and work at Chipotle and see how it's done and show us how it's done. Boy, this can be a real gas, don't you think? That's all the time we have. Have yourselves a great day and God bless you. Adios.